Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here again with Nora, who comes from us uh, with, with a big background in uh, HR. And today we thought we'd tackle the interesting conversation of uh, diversity and inclusion. So it's one that's uh, been a hot topic in, in, in the news lately and uh, for, for various reasons. And uh, I know a little bit about it, but probably not nearly enough as, as much as I should. So uh, I, I thought it'd be great to have a conversation with Nora just to get myself a little bit smarter because uh, I probably need to know a little bit more on this topic. So I'd love if you can start a bit on, on maybe like what it is and, and maybe how you got involved uh, and, and, and start on, the, on that side. Sure. Um, so, I mean, DNI, it's, it's, it's simply put, obviously, diversity and inclusion. And the way I think about it, it's um, ensuring that, you know, an organization, um, and whether that be a company, a school, a, a, a group for profit, has diverse representation in, in the area in which it, it operates in. And inclusion is um, making sure that every single person um, feels like they can bring themselves, their true selves and authentic selves to the place that they're working in or studying in. And that's kind of how I think about diversity and inclusion. So diversity is having different representation and inclusion is making sure everybody has the tools and there's an environment for people to flourish, feel comfortable and feel accepted. Um, and how I personally got involved in it um, happened uh, almost actually could go back to my days in university while I was doing case studies. I had picked a DNI topic and that was, you know, what sparked my interest back in the day. But only recently in my current role did I get the opportunity to work into it in, in DNI. And um, it's uh, I got the opportunity to join a um, an ERG, an employee ERG, which was um, Edge East. So at Enbridge's um, um, ethically um, ethically diverse employee. It's an ethically diverse employee resource group. It's just a little bit of a mouthful to say. Um, so I've gotten involved over the past couple of years. And um, through my work, I've gotten the opportunity this year to actually be the co-chair um, of that and, and lead a lot of DNI initiatives. And also because I'm in HR and because, you know, we also essentially as a function, um, uh, own DNI um, and the policies and the programs. I've gotten an opportunity to work closely with our DNI team because of that. Um, and as of recently, I'm also on another um, DNI steering committee at my organization. So it's almost like that one uh, volunteering opportunity that I went into, not really knowing what it was um, over the past few years, have has kind of like really grown and, and and it's been it's become a huge part of my role and, and a big part of my uh, week on an ongoing basis. That's awesome. So if, if you look back to some of the things that you've um, uh, kind of contribute to it from an from an ERG and employee resource group perspective, like, what are some of the things that uh, like an, an ERG does? And, and, and what are some of the things that if, if folks maybe are in, in a smaller company where they don't necessarily have the size and scale to do uh, some of the stuff like that? Uh, what could they kind of uh, start doing in their workplace uh, to kind of promote uh, diversity and inclusion? As a start, you know, an ERG is a great place for um, 
individuals that are looking to connect with people that have shared experiences or shared interests also um, to, to, to form an employee resource group. So it's an employee grass-led initiative. Um, usually it has to be sponsored by an executive. Um, so if somebody's interested in starting something like that, um, I'd recommend that they reach out to either um, one of the senior leaders in the organization that has maybe talked about a topic like DNI that they're interested in, or just talk to their manager and see if they'd sponsor it. And um, it allows employees, especially in a large organization, come together from a lot of different functions um, because of that shared interest. And you get to network and, and you get exposure to different people like I said, across the organization at different levels as well. So it's great for career development. Um, and in, in regards to DNI, you know, where you could really start and where, you know, EDGE or our re, uh, resource group has had an impact is, you know, first um, providing people with a safe space to talk about it because DNI can be a difficult topic to discuss, um, whether you recognize as a visible my, uh, minority or you are an ally and you're coming from a place of learning. So it provides a safe space for people to connect, to talk, to learn. Um, but, you know, as employee resource groups become bigger, um, their influence increases, right? And, and, and that's where as a resource group, if you've, if you've gotten big enough, you can actually start to influence culture. You can influence change. You can roll out large initiatives or large events um, that support your cause. Um, or you might even be seen as a subject matter expert um, to other groups in the organization. So for example, DNI will frequently reach out to resource groups like hours um, to help them facilitate equity um, focus groups or to help them facilitate storytelling sessions or various events throughout the year. Cool. And if you can talk a little bit about like the variety of, uh, I guess, um, ERGs and, and different groups, because it's not just uh, no, based on not. how you look and, and, and things like that. There's um, a whole bunch of other ones. So what are some of the examples of the more like interesting ones that might be less common um, that, that folks might want to consider including as, as part of their DNI initiatives? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different um, resource groups, right? There's women in, like, there's uh, there's there's gender resource groups. Um, there's, um, you know, recently in my organization, there's a resource group specifically for people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. um, in my organization down in the states, there's um, a resource group, um, especially for for African Americans and Black employees. So there's so many different resource groups that you can have. Um, there's even a resource group just for um, allies, uh, uh, specifically male allies to, uh, to, to, you know, POCs, people of color of or um, underrepresented groups. So there's so many different areas that you can go. I'd, my, my suggestion really is if you don't already have like a basic DNI employee, uh, underrepresented underrepresented um, employee resource group that maybe that's a good starting point. And later on, when you get more established or when you feel that there's like a need or or an interest for somebody to start something, they can branch out. But if you don't already have that, that's where I'd really recommend you, you start. Awesome. So for folks that are considering these and, and well, they've heard about that, why is it why is it important to them? And what are some of the benefits they uh, can hope to garner in, in setting up some of these like DNI initiatives? Yeah, so, you know, from a, from a, like what the benefit is from an employee resource group, it's, it's a lot, right? Like you benefit, if you're trying to roll out a DNI uh, strategy in your organization um, <clears throat> and you want people to get excited and be on board, like one of the tools that you can leverage is that employee resource group because it almost empowers employees to um, 
to, to, to get involved and shape the strategy or shape the delivery more so actually in their own way. Um, and, and, and it also provides that alignment, right? So that if you have a strategy, you're making sure that there's no broken telephone, that it's, that it's being delivered and it's being rolled out successfully. Um, and it contributes to culture change, right? Because it's really the employees that are rolling it out. So it's the employees that are buying in. So that's a huge benefit I see. Another big benefit is um, just as a person joining a resource group, um, the networking opportunities, the career development opportunities, right? Like if you are in specifically a DNI um, resource group and you are uh, given the opportunity to let's say present um, a DNI discussion or panel, usually the people involved in that are at um, senior uh, people leader levels, right? So you just get that organic opportunity to network, meet and, and get exposure to people leaders um, throughout the organization. And you're also seen as an informal leader because you're taking on leadership opportunity, um, leadership responsibilities that might not particularly be, be in your role. And you're also leading the way to improvement because a lot of large organizations, Luki, these days have representation goals, right? And, and this work supports that. Um, so those are just some of the, I'd like to say, many benefits that I think come from from having a DNA uh, resource group and and getting involved in one. That's awesome. So um, what I heard there was uh, oftentimes, well, you start with the grassroots, so uh, and and you kind of bring some of these benefits to your leaders to say, hey, I feel uh, part of an underrepresented group, whatever that is, maybe from from a, a gender, diversity, cultural, or ethnicity, or whatever it is. And uh, you start by um, probably taking a look at other folks in, in, in the group and saying there, there are, uh, and kind of rallying them together or saying that there's not enough of us <laughs> to, get a, to, to be represented. And then you, you mentioned uh, the importance of having a, a sponsor on, on that. So talk a little bit about uh, um, going and, and maybe having that, that conversation with, with someone to get some of this stuff started. Yeah, I mean, if you don't already have that group in your company, let's say your company is a little bit smaller, mm -hmm. having a sponsor really helps, you know, A, get any kind of funding. Um, if you want to roll out an event or an initiative or if you need support, for example, for video editing, something we've done is we've launched a lot of videos of employee interviews because of COVID, right? So that's there, that, that, that's that support, the credibility um, as well of your group, you know, you, you, you have a senior leader to push things forward for you and help that if you need to get connected to somebody in the organization or if you need to announce on your company's social media platform an event or a, or, or a, or a social media post, having that senior leader on, with you on that table um, and having that senior leader's voice will really help. Uh, build that credibility and that interest. I mean, it's also about policy, right? It, look, like some companies, you can't really start uh, an official organization or, or group in the company without without that support and without that sponsorship. So if you kind of socialize the idea with, with, with a senior leader at the beginning, it'll be much easier for you to actually build this out. Sounds good. And you talked a little bit about some of the initiatives that one of these groups uh, have. So let's say you have a group of people, you have some sponsorship, maybe a little bit of money. <laughs> you talked about doing some videos, talked about events, like uh, describe a little bit about those and, and then what they would be used for in, in the context of like the ERG and like the DNI initiatives. Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, like events can range. You can have 
Um, events that are solely focused, and, and this is kind of like how I bucket them, the events that are solely focused on culture. Um, and, and what I mean by culture, culture and engagement. So you can have, for example, again, and we're relating it specifically to DNI, you can have um, a uh, foods of the world celebration where, you know, it's a potluck and employees bring foods from different cultures. You can have um, a barbecue and in that barbecue, you have some kind of message or some kind of game that, that um, provides either almost like a, a fundraiser or provide some kind of educational purpose around DNI, right? So you have these fun um, engagement events, right? And it could be centered around what your ERG is about. Um, and then you also have storytelling as a, uh, an event. Or, 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 or a stream. So um, in the context of DNI, you know, some of the biggest things is having people, again, especially people um, in leadership roles, um, names that people across organization recognize, share their story as it relates to a topic like diversity and inclusion, um, really helps you um, get people's attention, get people listening, and start, again, reinforcing that culture of learning, uh, acceptance, and, and reinforcing those DNI messages that you're trying to, um, that you're trying to spread, spread right? So storytelling, um, from my experience, um, in any topic that you're 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 trying to um, that you're trying to get out, really grabs people's attention. People like to know about other people, and people like to hear um, um, people of, in leadership share uh, more of more personal stories, um, being open, authentic, and vulnerable. It really catches people's attention. So that's something that we've done in the past. Has been super successful, and I've seen other ERGs do that as well. Um, not necessarily for DNI, just for other for other topics as well. Um, so that's another kind of bucket, the storytelling, and it could be through a social media post, it could be through an interview or podcast, whatever the case is. Um, and then you have really kind of like the education piece and, and that could be done through various things, right? It could be done through um, providing people with reading lists or recommended articles, um, social media posts on on, 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 on training options um, or, 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 or books to read. And then you can also, depending on how large or how many resources you have, is um, almost have a trainer trainer the approach right so for example in dni if you want to start having difficult conversations and you want people to start understanding learning their unconscious bias it's almost a trained trainer approach leveraging your team on the erg to get trained by an expert or a specialist in dni right and they might only have three specialists but your team has 11 or 12 people, they've all got trained and they can take that throughout the organization and spread that message and help, you know, help have these courageous conversations, help train people. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of times you'll find the DNI team, for example, a little bit smaller in companies, right? Mm -hmm. So it's going to be hard for them to get to all of the frontline leadership. And, and that's where I see ERGs, um, DNI ERGs really supporting. That's amazing. So what I took from that is some of the initiatives are really fall under kind of two large buckets in terms of like education and entertainment. So the education is kind of that awareness, the storytelling, the training, the getting people really aware of, of all of these different things um, that are there. And then there's an entertainment value where like food and barbecues and then networking yeah. and connections. That's always the good part because you don't always want to be uh, bogged down by just kind of like all the serious stuff. There's some some amazing fun stuff that happens uh, with all of these as well when you get to learn other people, all the other cultures, sampling all the different foods. I would love to exactly <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think that would be amazing. It it just helps reinforce the culture that engagement. You know, it's fun, but it still drives a purpose, which is that culture reinforcement. So. Yeah. 
I, and you mentioned a little bit on um, having those kind of difficult conversations and, and approaching really that unconscious bias, right? So for those that uh, aren't familiar with that, like, can you describe a little bit of, of that? Maybe, maybe some examples of how it might have been um, countered in, in, in your work and, and how do we start uh, being more aware and more, more conscious of, of our biases so that we're not stuck on, on, on that other side of the difficult conversation? For sure. Um, you know, recognizing your unconscious bias and that self-awareness and reflection is huge because it'll also impact other areas in um, other areas in your efforts to 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 have a more diverse and inclusion organization inclusive organization like you know microaggressions that happen right or or understanding um, how how people identify and intersectionality so just unconscious bias I like that as the first step this is kind of you know your your building block to your DNI learning journey and there's actually an implicit um, unconscious bias test um, through Harvard online I believe it's free that you can take. Okay. And you can, um, and, and, and it's a series of tests, and it basically shows you where your unconscious bias is, right? And, and that, I think, is the most important thing for you to do is to take a test and understand where that lies so you're at least aware um, of, 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 you know, where your blind spots are, right? And you can, at that point, go into whether it be an interview, um, meeting new people, um, promoting or, or, or hiring, you know, key, uh, key things that you really need to make sure that you're hire that you're not having any kind of bias. Um, you can go in with a little bit more uh, of heightened awareness and you can ask yourself and you can question yourself or you can take measures to make sure that your decisions aren't based on, on um, aren't influenced by your unconscious bias by understanding what they are and maybe having a more diverse, um, um, a more diverse interview panel with you. Right. If you if you recognize, for example, that you might be, you know, you might have unconscious bias to women for, for whatever reason or, or, or to uh, married individuals. So examples like that help you either create, navigate um, through that with strategies or help you really question yourself before you make a decision and slow your decision making down. Some of the things that, you know, we're doing as an organization and I like and I think it's a great step is, like I mentioned, Luki, you know, taking that unconscious bias test understand where those are um, and taking an, a, a quiz and, and a little bit of an educational process to understand what it means. What are some different types of unconscious bias, like recency bias, um, the halo effect, some of them, the more common ones. How do you identify them? How do you take a step back and say, am I making this decision because of the person's merits or am I making this decision because the person just recently, you know, did something that's fantastic, but the rest of the year hasn't been that great, right? So just, just an example. Um, and then another thing that we're also doing is we're getting into um, conversations for people to openly express their unconscious bias and for, for, for them to share it with their peers so that their peers are able to go back uh, and give them feedback on whether or not they've experienced the same thing, how they would recommend that they would uh, manage that unconscious bias and having that dialogue might make things also a little bit more easy for people when they're going into managing and actually influencing that behavioral change. That, that's awesome. So what I took from that is it's really that awareness piece because a lot of us don't mm -hmm. know what we don't know. Right? So sometimes to have someone point out our our blind spots and, and, and recognize that, oh, I didn't even realize that because uh, like no one really goes around saying, hey, I'm, I'm intentionally racist. But exactly. that's kind of the, the part of the unconscious part that's a, a little bit uh, insidious in the sense that, well, you don't even know, right? 
Um, and it's it's not that um, you're doing it to be malicious or anything. It's just like, no. oh, because of your experience, you were raised in a certain way. So you assume that everybody's like that. But unfortunately, that's not true because <laughs> the world is so different. Um, and yeah, I think I think taking that test, well, I'll probably need to go find one and make sure that I'm 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 uh, covered or at least aware, and then start taking action to say, okay, yeah, I, I need to uh, accommodate for for areas where I, where I feel a little less comfortable in that. So, uh, you, yeah. you mentioned um, like microaggressions a few times. Can you define or give us an example of a couple of those, so so that we could potentially be aware of whether or not we are making any of these microaggressions or. Yeah, for sure. I think of it and, you know, I'm not like I know I've done a lot of DNI work and I'm passionate, but like I'm just a disclaimer. I'm not an expert in, sure. in DNI and, and this is not my full time role. So if I get something wrong, I apologize um, and I welcome feedback on, on, on how to learn. I'm still on my own own learning journey but you know to me a microaggression sometimes I feel almost happens or I believe sorry it happens at at a subconscious level um, and it's small um, small actions that aren't blatantly racist that might not be meant to exclude it might it may or may not be meant to exclude somebody but they're so small um, that you know they can go unnoticed uh, mm -hmm. but they still in an underlining way, make that person feel bad or make them feel, um, you know, excluded or, or even can result in that individual's disengagement. And to me, in my own personal experience, it's almost like a death by a thousand cuts, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you have and you've gone through um, many microaggressions, it can really add up and it can really fester and, and, and be just as bad as if something huge happened one time. Um, right. So that's my own personal experience and, and my own understanding right now um, of it as well. Interesting. So, so I had a conversation with someone recently where um, we, we have to be sensitive to everyone's kind of personal um, kind of situations and perspectives and things like that. So the, the conversation turned into, well, uh, you have to be careful of the examples that you use because we were talking about leadership and I was talking about uh, charisma and apparently um, former U.S. president like Bill Clinton was an example I used because apparently he uh, exudes kind of charisma, right? He, he makes you feel present in that. But he said, well, you can't actually use him as an example just because in case anybody leans more Republican than Demo Democrat, right? Because uh, by, by just using the him as an example, you're already putting some sort of um, kind of reference towards that maybe you support him. So um, I don't know if that's considered a micro- In a way, yes, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, that could be taken from my understanding as somebody like it's almost like in a in a in a in a unconscious way, you just told like people that may be Republican that, right. you know, they might not be the best leaders for whatever reason, or they might not have as much charisma or be widely accepted. Right. And, and if someone was to try to navigate around that, then then how could they do it? So obviously you try not to pick anyone who is blatantly either one way or the other, right? So maybe uh, Bill Clinton is not the best one. Maybe it's more someone who's uh, charismatic. I'm trying to think of maybe like a, a Mahatma Gandhi or something where I, I have no idea what his political leanings were, um, but he was uh, presumably charismatic. I think he was at least. Uh, so just yeah. just choosing the, the, the examples. Um, but is there uh, another part of the conversation too? And, and this is just more me um, being inquisitive in that, well, sometimes like you can't um, anticipate necessarily how everyone's gonna take something, 
right? Because the intention was not at all uh, to kind of say I, I, I'm pro-Democrat or Republican or whatever. Yeah. That was not the intention at all. It was just citing example. Um, but like how, how, how much of it or do we put on the, the kind of receivers and the listeners to say like, because I have no idea how anybody can take it. So I might not be able to say anything. or <laughs> I can never use an example, right? So what are kind of like the different areas where I have to just be like mindful of, of, of um, how other people can take it? I'm not sure if I'm asking the question correctly, but. I mean, as it relates to microaggression specifically, like in, in the way I interpret it or the way I focus on it is more so, you know, dealings between one person to another. Right. Okay. Like how um, different, you know, a, a, a boss or a people leader will 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 say something to this individual versus this individual. Right. Mm. And is that consistent or or I, I'll give you an, an example of what I think is is really a, a microaggression to focus on is, you know, if you're in a room with uh, with all of these colleagues and you're a female um, and, you know, they ask you to take the meeting notes, even though you're their peer, like that could be a microaggression, like, and, and it could be because that's the bias towards females to take on household corporate duties, right? And if you're giving an example, you know, Luki, I don't, you know, it's really difficult because everybody has different perspectives. Right. Um, I would say, if you are talking about, you know, what it means to be a good leader, um, focus on the characteristics a little bit more, sure. right? Like focus on the characteristics because those characteristics, um, anybody could, could, could be anybody, right? Anybody could look like um, a, a leader and, and exude the, the core competencies that are, that are needed for, for successful leadership. So that's how I would manage it or, or like focusing on your specific example. That's how I would have managed that. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess that's fair. But at the same time, I, when when you instantiate it with a person or very specific, it makes it a lot more real for folks versus kind of the generalities of the characteristics. So I guess it's just a little bit of work, more work that I have to do to kind of balance. And for any specific things, I have to just kind of take that, that lens to say, okay, who could uh, I be committing a, a microaggression against because I like by no intention, um, but but uh, other people can perceive how they uh, however they perceive it. But I, I just have to be aware of that. So uh, I think I, I heard um, something important in terms of like it's it's the consistency that's important, right? Because if you behave consistently to everyone, that's uh, good, right? In in the sense that I'm not treating anyone any different. But if it's I treat you different than someone else versus someone else, then that's when definitely those, these, these uh, microaggressions can uh, kind of rear their, their heads. So um, as long as it's kind of across the board, uh, you're, it's probably less likely to be a microaggression, although it could always be perceived as one, um, versus if it's, if it's in, a, in a particular case. So um, can, you, can you describe a little bit about, and we talked a little bit off air about like allyship, like uh, what, sure. what can be done in, in that regard? Yeah, um, you know, uh, when I think about allyship, and a lot of people have asked, like, what does that really mean? Um, you know, somebody that doesn't identify as a visible or underrepresented minority, um, but wants to support and wants to help and wants to come uh, into the DNI conversation from a place of learning, um, and 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 also advocate, advocate somebody that advocates for underrepresented groups and uses that privilege that they have to, like I said, advocate, to elevate, to 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 support, and to maybe provide some opportunities to people that. Um, 
are disadvantaged and might not get those opportunities. So that's what I really think. Um, and like in in my in my view, that's what an ally is. And you know, there's a lot of ways to start that allyship journey. And and I've had conversations with a lot of people, and it's almost like this hesitation, like, you know, like why do I like how am I going to get accepted in this conversation? I don't know anything, and 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 you know, do I even have a right to be in this conversation? And I always say, you know, if you are interested in being an ally, you know, just come from a place of learning um, and, 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 and learning and, 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 you know, openness and sharing that vulnerability, um, I think is the first step to becoming a, a good ally. I think that, that's amazing. So if you want to be part of the conversation, but you don't identify in any of those groups, then just coming from a place of learning, coming from a place exactly. of curiosity and, and just kind of say, well, I, I want to learn, like, teach me, like, tell, tell me more. What are some of the things that, that I am unconscious of, about or the things that I have maybe never experienced in, 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 in my life? And then just seeing, oh, okay, I, I, I do realize how, how that could be um, uh, pervasive in, in someone else's uh, life that that I, I would never have uh, gone through or like whoever that the potential ally is here. So um, can you describe a few of the kind of initiatives that that you've been working on and, and what are the ones that are kind of like the most effective or maybe some of the ones even that are that are not as effective if you're okay sharing some of those ones but um, like what are the ones or maybe some of the, the trends in like the DNI world that that could really help um, kind of elevate the conversations or, or, or bring more awareness to, to all these uh, all these conversations. Yeah, so maybe I'll talk in, ge- in, a, in a more general sense on what I've seen uh, is effective and what I see might not be as effective. And that's not only from my experience in my own organization, it's in discussions with, with some of my colleagues and other companies as well, and, and just reading on what some of the other companies are doing in DNI. Sure. Um, so I think that um, what's what what can get really um, ineffective is over communication and and okay. and because DNI is such um, for a lot of people it's a new topic and I don't mean that people don't know what diversity and inclusion is I I mean like people really have a lot to learn about how they can roll that out out in the company what their gaps are there, there's a lot of learning for people um, and sometimes when companies want to roll out any kind of dni initiative um, there's so much content and there's so much information it's your you know your company strategy your representation goals you're changing changes to your hiring process for example what are all of these definitions what are the groups in the company that so, so many things so it's almost like you know have a way to piecemeal it um, or roll it out in a more condensed version version um, because you know over information is just as bad as like no information um, so that's what I've seen not be effective um, some of the biggest things that I have seen be uh, are effective is um, um, mandating um, you know DNI initiatives um, as it relates to a person's goals in the organization right making it a priority for each and every single individual employee to have their own goal in DNI and contribute, um, and not be almost like um, you know a far off topic or a far off strategy that doesn't actually really touch me in any way or impact me in any way, but I'm interested to learn more, right? So it's that it's that shift on how on the level of importance you put on it um, within a company. So um, and and ERGs leveraging ERGs. I've seen it two ways. I've seen it where there's misalignment. And there's a lot of different conflicting 
um, messages. And I've seen it when, you know, the the DNI team or the strategies are working with the ERGs and it's it's going really well because there's that alignment and there's those additional resources to support. Cool. Would you have a uh, kind of a rule of thumb in terms of like, when you say over communication, uh, I, that, that might be a personal choice too, in terms of like for, for one person, it might be like, well, that's way too much for another person it might be like way too little. Is there kind of a, a rule of thumb? I don't, I, I don't know if you have the answer to like how much is too much and how much is too little, because it's always that Goldilocks, like the not too hot, not too cold. That can be a little bit challenging because uh, it, it can be a little bit personal, but is there some sort of guidelines or principles that, that one could look to uh, to kind of help uh, put us in the right direction or I'm not sure if you, if you can even answer that, but. You know, it's tough because it is by preference. I would say that, you know, just have the spark notes and have the main key points right at the beginning of whatever email or whatever document you're creating, because um, whoever's interested in reading more will read more, but people who don't have the time or, or, or want to get to it later won't actually ever get to it later. So at least you would have delivered those key concepts. Awesome. And, and, and I liked how in the previous point on, on the effective side, you mentioned that uh, to make it individual in the sense that if it's part of like, yes, the, 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 the corporate, the company vision and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's great. Um, but if you make it part of an individual's goals, well, they're a lot more motivated because uh, they, they should all align together. Right. And, and that's probably exactly. true, true with anything, not just from a from a DNI perspective, but whatever you want to make sure people do, uh, they, they should probably be measured in, in that regard. So. Um, are there any kind of uh, uh, trends from the DNI world that, that, that you've seen uh, kind of uh, up and coming? Um, and, and I'm not sure what those, those might be, but is there anything that you've kind of seen coming up more frequently or, or less frequently? I wouldn't really say it's a, tr- a new trend within DNI. I think DNI as a topic of learning and conversation is coming up more often. Um, and I'm happy to see that happen because it's been quiet for a while or, and, and, and there hasn't been as many talk. Um, so it's not so much as a, from what I'm saying, like a trend or a new concept within DNI. I think the concept itself and, and getting a little bit deeper in the learning and the understanding um, is, is happening a lot more. So that's what I see. And I think it's fantastic. Great. So what could we do as, as individuals, either in, as employees or maybe even as, as personal folks to, to get more involved? So part of what I heard uh, in the discussion is, is just be a little bit curious. So maybe go yeah. online, do some of these assessments and things like that and, and find uh, ways to learn a little bit more. Probably have, have conversations with, with coworkers, with leaders, with other folks. Um, those seem to be kind of the, the, the initial starting points. But what are some other things uh, that, that we could do? Are there is there uh, like something that I can do tomorrow <laughs> that, that would really start uh, moving the needle just just a little a little bit more. Yeah. You know, you kind of hit, hit, hit them all, Luki. It's really like start learning, start getting curious, reach out to people, look at whether it's at work or at school, a membership or a club that you can um, um, that, you, that you can join. But if you're asking what you can do like today or tomorrow, it's just slow down your thinking um, and start to self-reflect and ask yourself um, certain questions before you make decisions. Um, if you feel like there's some unconscious bias there slowing down your thinking is 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 what i'd say that's amazing so yeah i think taking that time to to pause and and reflect slow down and saying like uh maybe any sort of past interaction that you've had with anybody 
could there have been any biases uh, within that conversation? Um, and sometimes, again, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> so that's why having conversations with others and, and maybe even having that open and frank to say, hey, do you notice me doing anything um, that, that I shouldn't be doing or I, I, I um, uh, have unconsciously been doing? And that might be good to get an external opinion as, as well. Um, yeah, and I think uh, as these conversations get uh, out in the open a little bit more, then more and more people will recognize it and then hopefully we'll get a lot more of uh, all those benefits in terms of like engagement and inclusion. And I'm sure when that happens, there's a lot more productivity <laughs> and, and um, safety that, that's uh, understood in, in, in the workplace. And then, uh, yeah, that's probably a lot related to profitability <laughs> and then all that good stuff For sure. uh, from, the, from the top and the bottom line. Um, are there any other um, kind of points in, from a DNI perspective uh, that, that you want to kind of uh, tackle or, or, or address? Because um, I'm, I'm still learning and, and I would love to know a little bit more if there's other places where I should learn. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's so many resources that, you know, I, I'm happy to share with you um, if you want to post it after. But, you know, yeah. even if you just go online and, 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 and just search up or Google like podcasts, if, if you're not into reading, there's, there's a ton of information um, out there. Um, but I would start by the Harvard implicit bias test. That's okay. what I would start unconscious bias test. That's where I would start off with, really. That's awesome. So uh, hopefully we'll include a, a link in the show notes about uh, that and, and uh, we'll, we'll get more people uh, aware of or conscious of their unconscious bias. And uh, well, thanks so much for engaging in the conversation. And, uh, and the caveat, I guess we should have started with is neither of us are experts. So we're, we're just curious and, and learning. Uh, so uh, as Mara mentioned before, if any of us misspoke in any, uh, in any area, then we apologize in advance um, and, and we'd love to learn a little bit more. So I'm, I'm open to any comments as well because uh, I'm, I'm still uh, learning about this interesting topic as well. So thanks, uh, Nora, for engaging in the conversation and hopefully we'll have you back for uh, another interesting topic. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Nora. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.